We're on a series entitled More Than a Book. Do you really believe the Bible's more than a book? And so normally I take about six weeks on a, on a uh, series. I used to take like 75 weeks on a series. I did 101 weeks on Jesus wept. <clears throat> no, I didn't. I really didn't. But I used to do just really long series. And a few years ago, I had the Lord just minister to me on the inside to just hold him to six weeks eight at the most, and we actually, he would reveal even more in that time. And I think that we've, we've found that out. But this, I felt we were to go eight weeks on more than a book. And um, this is week seven. Next week, of course, would be week eight. And we're going to be looking at some things that are highly spiritual, and yet we're going to look at how practical they are as well and the impact of this. We're, we're six weeks in already, so I'm not going to go back and review but a lot will make sense as we go along here. Let's look in Proverbs chapter 4. And before I go any further, um, last week I told you my daughter got engaged. And so Elise and her fiancé Chris are here. I hope I'm not embarrassing you, but would you just wave at everybody? Would you do that? <clears throat> you did good, buddy. <clears throat> she did too. Proverbs 4, back to the Bible. Verse 18 through verse, uh, well, we'll just keep going here. But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter into the perfect day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. I want you to see that one path has light and another path does not have light. And the way of the just, really in the Hebrew, it has the idea of right. So it's the right path. Who is right? God is right. Come on, church. God is right. And his ways are right. And so if you follow God, follow his path, follow right. And he's the standard for right. As we follow that, there will be light in your path. And not just a little bit of light, but that light will continue to get even brighter. I like that. The other path is the path of the wicked. And if you look at the derivations of words, you'll go back and you'll be able to see that wicked is related to a couple words that we use all the time. We have candles that have a wick. And if you notice that carefully, it's, it's twisted. We have wicker furniture. Um, <clears throat> when I was single, that's about all I had was wicker furniture. And what it is, it's twisted weeds pretty much that, you know, makes up your, your uh, furniture there. But it has to do with a twisting. So there may have been at the origins of it something acceptable, but it's gotten twisted. And you don't want that. You want what is right and true and not twisted. Because then there will be light in your path. Otherwise, there will not be light in your path. And here's the sad part of that. The way of the wicked is like darkness. And they do not know what makes them stumble. That's sad because have you ever had, you know blow a breaker or something and, and you've, you've got to stumble through the darkness or whatever to try to find your way through the mess in the garage to get to the panel box or whatever. Anyway, how, how many of you have a mess in your garage? Alicia, put your hand down. Uh, <coughs> you're embarrassing the pastor. So, but in the darkness, we stumble, and we don't know what we're about to step on. We don't know what we're banging into, and that is the, the really, really sad part of this. But light or no light, what is it that makes that difference? And we read on in verse 20. It says, 
my son or my daughters, give attention to my words. It's the word of God. We've already established in in weeks previous that the word is light. It is light. It's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. Uh, The entrance of his word gives us light, and light helps us to see. And so we've got to have the word of God in that way. This phrase here, give attention to my words, in the Hebrew has the idea to be fully alert. To be fully alert. It's to give effort to be focused and attentive. It's to be locked on. And we're being commanded and urged in Scripture. Are you all with me? We're being commanded and urged in Scripture to make the effort to be fully attentive. To make yourself focus in on something that is so valuable and so important. And why are we being told in such strong terms? It's because we're easily distracted. I said we're easily distracted. And it's kind of like trying to feed a baby. You know, he's looking around and you're, you're trying to feed him. Or get portraits made of the family. And you have varying ages because somebody's, you know, looking around. And, you know, everything's going on in the portrait. Why? Because we're easily distracted. And it's very obvious when we're little. But can I tell you something else? It's very obvious when we're not little. And so let me take a little side journey. Bookmark that. When we all come together, we've got to give attention. Why? Because we are easily distracted. And I've told you this probably a hundred times. Sometimes you're here meaning, well, I'm going to get something out of this today. And you end up studying the hairdo right in front of you. (laughs) Or the lack thereof. It's like, how do they do that? Why do they do that? Excuse me. And so... When we're here together, you've got to make every effort to not get distracted. But let me, let me go ahead and step a little bit further and make every effort to not be a distraction. Okay? And so let me just take care of a little bit of housekeeping real quick here. Your pastor loves you, all right? But when we come together, don't you in the middle of the sermon decide, I think I'll go get a sip of water. Okay? And then, you know, step out over 12 people and then come out and get in the camera shot and block other people and all of that. Um, You know, suffer just a little bit, okay? Suffer for the sake of not pulling other people uh, away because we are easily distracted and also it's easy for us to be a distraction. Okay? And I feel real strong to say that this morning, so I hope hope you all hear that today. All right? All right, now back to our regularly scheduled message. In verse 20, and let's read this here. My son, my daughter, give attention to my words. Incline your ear. Everybody say ear. Ear. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Say eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Say heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Let's look at a couple things here. I had you repeat this, ears and eyes. And regarding the word of God, we're to incline our ear. Have you ever been in a setting before? Maybe you're on your phone and there's a lot of noise or something and and you're you're just, what are you doing? You're, You're trying to get narrowed down. I've got to make sure that I hear it. And it says, don't let it depart from your eyes. You don't. You don't want to let this wander off from you at all. And if we'll do this, 
I, w- I want you to understand this. This is very important. Your ears are a gate. And your eyes are a gate to your heart. And so what goes into your ears enters into a gate. And it goes through that gate and it's going to go where? Come on, it's going to go where? It's going to go into our heart. And then our eyes, what we put in front of our eyes. That's why Job said, I've made a covenant with my eyes that I'll put no unclean thing before me. Listen to me, you cannot afford to listen to whatever you want to and look at whatever you want to. Yeah, but this is an awesome tune. Or this is the latest movie. You know, if you're going to guard your heart, you've got to be careful because these are gates. And what goes in through your ears and what comes in through your eyes is going to go into your heart. But in the positive sense here, we see that give attention to my words, incline your ears to my sayings, and do not let them depart from your eyes, and then you'll have them in the midst of your heart. So what we're wanting to do is make full effort and attention to keep the word in our ears and in our eyes before our eyes so that it can get down into our hearts. Are you, you understand that so far? Verse 22 gives us the incentive for this. For, because of this, they, the word, the words of God, are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. It's an inner vibrancy. It's the life of God that would be in you, but it affects you inside and it also affects you outside. It is both spiritual and physical that you would have life and health to you. The root word there for health comes from the Hebrew word Rapha. You may know that from one of the redemptive names of the Lord is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who what? Who heals. And so this word actually means to mend, to fix, to heal, medicine. And so to get the word of God inside of us, we will have a vibrancy, the life of God on the inside of us spiritually, but also it will affect us physically. You need to know that the promise and benefits of God's word are not just for the hereafter. They affect the here and now as well. See, a lot of things that people are relegating to heaven, you won't need in heaven. You don't need peace in heaven. You don't need healing in heaven. You don't need provision in heaven. You don't need those things. One day in the sweet by and by. Don't, don't write that off. Or you put it in the land of the living where you live. And they will have, they will find life, life on the inside of them. Life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Now, let's just fortify a little bit more that this truly is more than a book. In Psalm 19, verse 7 through 11, in the New Living Translation, it reads this way. Are y'all with me? Y'all giving attention? The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward to those who obey them. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, also in the New Living, it reads this way. Get this now. All Scripture, say all Scripture. 
All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Let me hold up just right there. The best thing that can ever happen to you is for you to find out what's wrong with you. Let me say it again. The best thing that could ever happen for you is to find out what's wrong with you. Well, that's where we try to guard and cover up and everything else. But the best thing that could ever happen to me, to you, to any one of us is to find out what's wrong with us. You know, I like to use the illustration that if you went for golf lessons and you've got a top-notch golf pro and you're paying good money for this lesson and all he does is tell you, man, it's a nice set of clubs and your glove really fits you good. You're just awesome in every way. And you fork over the money and you know what? You just got ripped off. Because you went to that lesson, why? To find out what's wrong with me. To find out how come my ball goes like that. It's confession time. (laughs) And so you go, tell me what's wrong. You go to the doctor, tell me what's wrong. Why? So you can get it fixed. And what the word of God does, not in some way that it's going to beat you up and press you down, but it's going to show you what's wrong in your life. Because if you don't discover what's wrong in your life, you're going to keep having all these crisis mechanisms and all these other things to try to cover for that or compensate for that. And you're not going to make progress in life. And your, your oops and your mistakes are only going to get bigger and cost you more. So we've got to find out what's wrong with us. And we normally don't like other people to just wander into our life. You know what your problem is. We don't like that. But the word of God here, let's go back to this, 2 Timothy 3, all scripture is inspired, it's God-breathed by God, and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. It's more than a book. Come on, say it, it's more than a book. Now, I want to break this down using this whole idea of ears and eyes this morning. Because the word of God, more than a book, and the means by which we're going to get it on the inside of us. And how many of you know we need it not just on the coffee table, we need it on the inside of us. We don't need it just in in their glove box in the car, we need it inside of us. Okay? And so, the, the means by which we're going to do this today is through our ears and through our eyes. And so I want you to follow me on this, and hopefully this will make good sense to you here today. Regarding ears, and let's start right there. Everybody find your ears. All right. Regarding ears, and, and let me preface this by saying this. This has nothing to do with me as the pastor, but it has everything to do with me as a pastor has nothing to do with this church in particular, but yet it has everything to do with this church in particular. And I say that because this is where you go, and I'm your pastor. But this is true for any church context, okay? And so, here's what ears have to do with. You, say that's me, you must sit under biblical, sound biblical teaching. That's what ears are. You must sit under sound biblical teaching. You have a responsibility to yourself. You've got to make sure that you're getting sound doctrine. Because if you believe wrong, you'll go wrong. And we've got to be careful that we are not ones with itchy ears. 
They were not little glory bugs chasing over. I heard there's a cool meeting over here and a cool meeting over here. Get yourself rooted. Get yourself planted. And don't follow every wind of doctrine that would blow through. You've got to be careful that you sit under sound biblical teaching. Can I get an amen from anybody? And how do we do that? What is the context? What is the community that we find ourselves led and planted by God where our ears are going to be filled? We're going to be sitting under sound biblical teaching. It is the church. Everybody say church. And I bet you never thought of your ears symbolizing church. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But one of the ways that you sit under and hear and listen, sound biblical teaching, God's plan, God's plan A is the local church. And the Bible reveals to us that he's placed gifts among the body. And among those, namely, are a pastor teacher so that we may be equipped for the work of the ministry, that we might grow up into all things into Christ, which is the head. And so God places you in a place. God puts people in your life so that you have sound biblical teaching. This creates a huge responsibility. And I take that responsibility very, very serious. And I've been meeting a whole lot of pastors. I'll tell you what, their passion to do this thing right inspires me. And and it's a huge responsibility, though, to, to do this. And I just want to repeat to you, my commitment to God and my full commitment to you that every time you come here, you're going to have a hot meal, you're going to have fresh manna, and you're going to have sound doctrine. And we'll do our very best at that. Um, you, know, you need to know that you're safe. You need to know that somebody's actually in the kitchen and things are being prepared and, and done right. And, and I'm striving every time to make this the best that I've ever done. And I know that it takes the hand of God, but I believe that God requires that we would show up and actually put out some effort to make this happen. Now, all of that said, in 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 and 2, Paul tells Timothy, I solemnly urge you, I charge you, in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead. These are strong terms here. When he appears to set up his kingdom. Verse 2, what does it say? Preach the what? Preach the word of God. Preach the word of God. Be prepared. Be prepared. Be prepared. And this is, the, this is the charge given to a pastor. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correcting, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. But I want you to notice especially that first phrase there. Preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the word. That's our agenda. Preach the word. Now, listen, I don't say this to make anybody feel bad because a number of you have asked me over the course of months and stuff, but just hear my heart, and I've given you this answer personally too. Some people say, we're in this hot political season. Could you tell us politically this, 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 this? And let me just tell you, I'm not called to preach politics. I'm called to preach the word. And I will preach the word and lay out principles for you, and then you'll be able to figure it out. But my job is not to get in some political arena and get everything charged up with that. My job is a higher call. And that higher call is to preach the word of God to you. Make it applicable to you. And you'll figure things out. Now, let me move on. How does this play out in church then? How does this play out in church? Um, 
our services are basically made up of two things. Worship and the Word. All right? It's made up of two things. First one? Worship. And the Word. Another way we put it is this way. The first half of the service, we are we're lifting up. And the second half of the service, we are we're listening up. And we're trying very intently, very deliberately, we're working on things. You may have noticed just subtle little changes and things. But we've got to maximize that worship time, not chop it up, make it flow together. And because it has a great, great purpose that I'm going to talk to you about in a moment. And then that prepares us for the, for the word. So we want to maximize the time of all of that and not have a million things in between and all of that. So we're, we're trying to streamline and do those things because essentially, you know, and we're going to stop and we're going to greet you and we're going to do things like that. But I'm tell, and, and even your giving is what? Worship. Giving is worship. And so we're, we're going to worship and we're going to be in the word. We're going to lift up and we're going to listen up. Y'all with me? Praise and worship. Hear this. Praise and worship prepares the soil of your heart. In, Jude, in Jeremiah 4.3, and this is one very, very clear example, we find the, the name Judah. Everybody say Judah. Judah is a name. Judah is a nation. It was a tribe among Israel. Judah also is a word. And the word has to do, and the name and the tribe represents this, it has to do with plowing. Judah plows. And so it takes the ground that's been, been stomped down and trash has been thrown on and it's been compressed throughout the week. And what the plow does is come along and it digs up and it loosens up that soil. Guess what? Your heart is soil. We've talked about that. And what happens to your heart all week? You took my heart and stomped that stucker flat. You know, you, you remember some of these songs. I mean, you get, your heart gets walked on, the cares of life, trash, stuff gets in through ears and eyes. You've got all that going on. And so that's going to get in and on your heart. And you've got to have your heart plowed up. Why? Because that's the worship part. And now comes the word. And two of the attributes of the word is it's seed and it's water. And we don't want your heart to be a sidewalk that will accept neither seed nor water. And so if you're one of the ones that, well, I only come for the word, then you're missing out. And you say, well, I, I don't really sing much. It's not about singing. It's about plow my heart. So if Pastor John, our worship leader, you know what he's doing? He's got his hand to the plow. The whole team, we're just trying to plow up the... So it is... In your best interest when you come, I'm going to enter in because my heart has been tamped down this week. People have walked on my heart. I've had the cares of life this week. Junk has gotten through the gates. And my heart has to be plowed up or I'm going to miss all that I could get from the seed and the water of the word of God. So when we come together, get here and get here early. Get here on time. I was raised on time as early. So I'll just throw that out there, <laughs> y'all. But get here, and I don't care what you feel like. I don't feel like worshiping. Exactly. You need your heart plowed up. 
And if you're encouraged, lift your hands to the Lord. I really don't feel like it. I feel like I'm being a fake. You're not being a fake. You're saying, here's some soil right here. Plow this up. Help me. You say, well, I don't sing good. Most of us don't. It's what makes us all beautiful. It makes others stand out even more, you know. But that's what we've got to do. And so when we come to church, listen, when we come to church, this is the ears part. When we come, we're going to worship God. And number one, because he's worthy. Number one, because he should be, he should be the one high and lifted up. But then what it does in you, hear me, what it does in you is it prepares the soil of your heart so that the good seed and the good water, the word of God, now can land into soil that's ready to take it and your life will change as a result of that. But this only happens once or twice a week. And we've got Sunday morning and we've got Wednesday night, which you, man, if you haven't been coming to Wednesday, you need to get here for Wednesdays. And so what can I do the rest of the week, Pastor? Well... You can go online, and we've got archives and podcasts and different things like that. Not only us, a lot of ministries have that. But let me just caution you, it's always best to eat at home. Because sometimes there's some emphasis out there that is, you know, and, and doctrine is so important. And the more you grow in the things of God, the more you'll be able to be discerning and go, oh, you know, they seem real sweet, but that's, whoa, that's, that's really stretched that. And you've got to be careful. That's, that's, a, that's a forever problem because we're dealing with pure truth being handled by men. And so it's, uh, it's just best to eat at home. And then be very discerning and, you know, then eat at relative's house. Okay? And you can, hey, that's a, that's a kindred spirit. That's a like kind of approach on that. Amen? Y'all forgive me. I've got to get a, little, get a little drink here. All right. So like I said, this only happens once or twice a week. So what am I going to do the rest of the week? And that brings us to eyes. Everybody say eyes. So ears has to do with church. And, and what are the two things we do at church? Worship and the word. Worship and the word. We're going to lift up. We're going to listen up. Because you must, you must sit under sound biblical teaching. Then eyes, you must personally make sure that you are reading the Bible. That we would read the Bible. He said, well, you don't need to tell us about reading the Bible. Yes, I do. Because studies show repeatedly, 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 born again, American believers, for the most part, are not consistent at all in reading the Bible. And I think there's a number of reasons for that. And so we're going to address some of those this morning to get those out of the way so that you will do this. But you have a responsibility. You must personally make sure that you are reading the Bible. Part of maturity as somebody's starting to grow up is that they can feed themselves a little bit. Now, that does not excuse you from this. It's never just, well, it's just Jesus and me. I hope it's Jesus and you all the time. But you've got to be a part of a community of faith. You've got to be rooted in part of, part of a church. But then, this is once or twice a week. And what are you going to do the rest of the week? Starve? No, we're going to read. I said we're going to read. 
Average, depending on the print and the binding and the translation and study notes and stuff in your Bibles, Bibles average about 1,400 pages. It would take you 70 hours to read the Bible. If you spent just 30 minutes a day, you could read the whole Bible in six months. But, and and I'm, I'm all for that, but this is not a book that you just want to read quickly. This is not a book that you just want to read quickly. There are no trophies for. I read 71 chapters today. Good, you're hyper, settle down. There's not a trophy for that. This is more about comprehending and digesting and and being exposed to it and being impacted by the Word of God. And so we're going to look for a few few moments this morning about properly reading the Bible here. And some people come back and say, well, I don't like to read. Well, do you like to live? Do you like to learn? Then we'll go through that. We'll go through that so that we can make sure that we are reading because this is more than a book. And this is where we find our rule for what we believe and how we're going to live. And it's vital that we get this on the inside, that we have a steady diet, daily bread, necessary food, and that we are, to a large degree, a self-feeder. So I'm going to get real practical on you this morning. Can you handle that? How do we read? How do we read? I shared this with you a couple weeks ago. lost a pen. Here we go. I shared this with you a couple weeks ago. R P M. Does anybody remember it? Read, ponder, memorize. Let's do the one way. Read, ponder, memorize. We're going to handle read today, and the next week we're going to look at ponder and memorize. You're going to be amazed by this and how powerful that that would be in your life. But let's, we're going to get real practical for the next few moments here regarding reading. And why are we going to be practical? So you actually know how to do this. Some people just want to be spiritual and they're practically no good. And so we've got to get the practicalities of this as well. Let me talk about real quick what to read, first of all. What to read. And I'm going to just assume, go with me on this. Some of you may be thoroughly disciplined and consistent in reading the Word of God. But I'm going to assume that we're all just starting, okay? So fresh start. It's amnesty day. Okay? Start in the Gospel of John. Start in the Gospel of John. The beloved had such a a revelation of love and followed Jesus through the narrative of the gospel of John. And then, once you get through that, and take your time in going through that. It's a narrative. It's a story. It's enjoyable. It's exciting. And follow Jesus through that. Once you complete that book, and again, there's no trophy for getting it done before lunch, okay? We want to take our time and get this in episodes, so to speak. Then when you finish that, I want to recommend that you go near the end of the book. And there's 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And they're little short books. The Little Johns. And go there and it's the same author. And he's going to talk about some of the most profound truths of the love of God. Because if you get, the, if you get a revelation of the love of God, everything else is going to come into full view for you. When you finish those and take your time in those, even though they're short. When you finish those, come back to the gospel narratives. Come back and read another another one of the Gospels. And again, break it up and go through it. I'm going to give you some other guidelines here in just a second on that. Also make sure that you're daily in the Proverbs. There are 31 Proverbs. Today is the 29th. Which one should you read? 29th. And then daily Proverbs, evening Psalms. The Proverbs are going to give you wisdom. The Psalms are going to give you courage. They're going to heal you. They're also going to give you uh, wisdom as well. 
And then the epistles, you know, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and so forth. Go through those. Those are the letters that are written to New Testament believers. They're going to tell you how to live. They're going to tell you how to deal with difficult people. They're going to tell you how to handle your marriage right, how to not react, what is right, what is wrong, what, how to live this life as a believer. Where are we going to get help in all this? That is in the epistles. And so you want to take those and break those down. At this point, too, let me recommend two books. We're not selling these, so we don't get anything out of this. These are tremendous helps. First of all, show them the uh, essential companion. The Essential Bible Companion, and what this does, and you can get it on Amazon or other places. Amazon has it cheap and quick, and they'll get it to you. There's one right there. Hold it up good and high. He'll sell his for how much? No, I'm teasing. (laughs) But get this, and there's two pages. Listen to me. There's two pages for every book. So let's say you're going to start reading uh, 1 John. There will be two pages for that. It's going to show you some graphs, some pictures. It's going to give you an overview. It's going to tell you about the author, what is his main point. And instead of you just reading a whole bunch of verses, you know where you're at. You know kind of what's going on there. That will help you. And then this other book, it's called How to Read the Bible Book by Book. This is going to go a little bit further. And it's going to give you an overview. And that, there you go right there. Dude, you are the all-star today right there. So get a hold of these and as it will give you overview and some background and the author and the themes and things to look for and what was going on at the time. And then, this is the cool part in this one, then it will take sections. And that's how I'm encouraging you to read. It will take a section and it will say like chapter 1 verse 7 through 2 verse 1. And it will break that down for you and give you some good insight into that. And you know what? You're going to feel so smart. You're going to have to battle pride. I'm telling you, it will turn the light on for you and help you so much in this. And those, those will help you. And again, you can get those Amazon or anywhere else. I'm not promoting anybody. I am promoting those books. We don't get anything from that. These will help you. And he said, well, I don't, you know, I've got other things I've got to do. Listen, I don't know of anything. You know, skip your fancy coffee for a little bit or something. And these are not expensive at all. And the benefit they're going to bring to you, I'll tell you what, God will make a way for you to have those. Now, let me give you a couple things here. And then we'll wrap this up this morning. First of all, when you're going to read, first thing you need to do is pray. Everybody say pray. Don't just open the book and go. Talk to the author. Ask him to help you to open your heart and to open your mind. Help me to pay attention. Help me to get what you're saying in this. Not only that, but help me to get what you're saying to me today through your word. And utter a prayer like that to God. It doesn't have to be a big, long prayer. Secondly, give voice. Voice. By this, whenever it's appropriate to do this, read out loud. Not loud, loud. You know, like I got up really early, and what if I got up in the morning and said, Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord. I'd be single again with my wicker furniture, you know. Listen to me, I don't have time to go into all of this. Your brain has a number of sections and features, a lot. It's incredible. And your speech centers dominate your brain. 
And we've talked about this off and on a lot. And whenever you actually engage your voice, not just you can read without talking out loud. You can do that. But your comprehension is going to be multiplied once you turn on your voice. You engage your voice. You engage your speech centers. It overrides other things, and it opens you up for comprehension like you wouldn't believe. And so you don't have to be loud to do it. You can read what is called sotovozzi. It's just under your breath. And, it, and get that going inside. For God so loved the world. Another key in that is to go slow. Don't, you're not an auctioneer. Just go slow with this and read it. But give voice will be a big help to you. The other thing is this. Words. You want to find words. Mark words that you don't know what they mean. Or they seem to be key words and you want to make sure what they mean. And what you want to do is look those words up. You can Google Bible Dictionary. You can go, here's a great, great site for you. You still with me? You can go to a great site called BibleGateway.com. Say it with me. BibleGateway.com. It's $110 a month. It's totally free. I had to do that to get some of y'all back, okay? hundred. Oh. It's totally free. There's so many translations in there, commentaries, Bible dictionaries, and you just enter in your verse. And you say, well, I'm not, I'm not on computer yet or whatever. Folks, you need to get on computer. We actually, and I initiated some things this last week in the office, we're going to get some computer classes set up so people can start to not be afraid of this thing and use this to benefit everything from recipes to the book of Revelation, okay, so that you can find out some things. It is a tool. It is a help. It is not, it is not from the Antichrist. And so we, we want to help you. And we've got a tremendous I, IT department and those guys and some other ways we're going to try to help you with this. But look up those words. You can just put in that word real quick and go, wow. And you can find out where that came from and what it means. And it's just going to open things up for you. Another thing is this. Mark the things that move you or speak to you. And next week we're going to be talking about memorization. These may be the verses that you see that are now going to move you that you, you want to memorize. When I really got serious about the Bible, can I take an extra 30 seconds to tell you a story? I was traveling with a Christian music group. I'm dating some girl. I mean, I knew who she was. <laughs> and uh, I thought we were good. And then one day I go on the bus, and she's kissing the trombone player. <laughs> so I thought, I think we're in trouble. And so... My little heart was broken. I was like 19 at the time. My, my little heart is broken. And I'm traveling with a Christian music group. I didn't read my Bible. I just read along on stuff now and then. And, you know, everybody else was reading. I read it. Okay, that's cool. And we'd have group devotion. All right, that's cool. But I didn't read my Bible. I'm a Christian music group traveling all over the country just all the time. I wouldn't read my Bible. And all of a sudden, we're in a church. And I'm moping around because I lost my girl. And, you know, we're in the middle of Peoria, Illinois or somewhere, you know. And in the store, they had a, they had a, uh, in the church, they had a bookstore, and I saw this promise book, and I got the promise book. And it had a thing about, are you brokenhearted? And I go, yes, <laughs> I am. And I started to read these promises, and it's like, oh, my gosh. And I said, if that's there, I wonder what's next to that. So I took my promise book and my Bible, and the next thing you know, it's like, I can't stop. And it has become my life and my lifeline. And, and I'm good now. <laughs> and 
but find the things that move you. They move you. I've read these things and they moved me and it made such a, such a difference for me. Now, the other thing you need to do is ask questions. Now, I'm going to do this real quick and then we've got an ending that I want to put on this this morning. Ask questions. When you're reading scripture, are you still with me? Just give me these last few moments here. Here's the questions you need to ask. And it's the acrostic speed. S-P-E-E-D. As you're reading through, first of all, ask this question. Is there a sin I need to confess? As you're going along, you're going to see something. You go, oh my goodness, anger, pride, lust, wrong reactions, stealing, this, that. It's going to show up. It's light. It's going to show up. And you go, you're going to go, ouch. And you're going to see, that's something I need to confess. Confess it before God and get it out of you. Second thing, is there a promise? Is there a promise? There are 8,810 promises in the word of God. For every problem, there is a promise. I said, for every problem, there is a promise. And look through there and say, you know what? This is a promise. This is a promise. And, And mark that for you. Thirdly, is there an example to follow? You're going to see Jesus. You're going to see a a parable. You're going to see a contrast between the wise and the foolish. And you're going to find an example to follow. Next, you're going to see, is there an error to avoid? And again, the Proverbs are loaded with these. Make sure, man, I ain't going to do that. Look what happens. You build your house on sand. You hear and you don't do. Storms of life come, crash. I don't want that. So you see the error to avoid. And then lastly, a duty to perform. You're going to see that the Bible would tell you to do something. So as you're reading, just keep these in mind. Just keep these in mind. Speed. It's easy to remember. Sins to confess. Promise to claim. Example to follow. Error to avoid. Duty to perform. And you're going to see those things. And that will personalize the word of God for you. Now. Let me kind of close with this. Eyes and ears. Ears represent what? Come on, a little better. Church. I've got to hear. I've got to be under sound biblical teaching. That happens once or twice a week. Eyes. Reading. Who's going to read? Uh, That was really weird. Who's going to read? And you don't have to wait for your girl to kiss a trombone player, okay? All right. You read. You read. I'm I'm giving you a lot of help on doing this. And if you'll do that, these are the gates. The ear gate, the eye gate, and the word's going to get down into your your heart. So listen to me. And I want to bring you to this moment. No wonder. No wonder the devil is constantly trying to supply you with pathetic and lame excuses to number one, Talk you into skipping church. And number two, to keep you from reading the Bible. Because he knows this. This is more than a book. This is life-giving. This is life-changing. And if he can give you those lame, pathetic excuses, I pray you'll remember that next Sunday, next Wednesday. Monday when you go to read. He's trying to keep you from getting to church. He's trying to keep you from reading the Bible. Why? Because if he can block your ear gate and if he can block your eye gates, he can keep this more than a book. 
from getting down into your heart and your life never being the same. And you're going to be some kind of danger to him if you get this on the inside of you. Because when you're a real believer and you've got the word of God on the inside of you, I don't care what happens in life. You have this sense because you're an overcomer. You have this sense. You've been told you're an overcomer. I'll get through this. I'll get through this. I'll get through this. I'm never alone. I'm never without help. And you're loaded up with the word of God. But the enemy wants to block your ear gate, keep you out of church. Now traffic's too much. You're this or this or that. Forget it. Forget it. Forget it. And he wants to block your eye gate. He's going to give you reasons why you can't get into the word. And I'm trying to give you every reason why you need to get into the word. Proverbs 4, verse 20 through 22. And then I'll close with this. My son, my daughter, give attention. Make it your business. Give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them. And health. To all their flesh. This is more than a book. Amen. Did you get anything at all out of this today?